Good morning, church. It's good to see you here this morning. Thankful, thankful that you are here. We're going to be talking about the Thanksgiving table. We have a nice table. By the way, thank you, Kim and Lori, for fixing up our table. If we can keep Trent from eating the bread before the series is over. Well, that's actually real bread. That's real bread. He's stunned and uh -huh. said he can smell it, it and everything. So. Yeah. He said he wanted to make a sandwich that big. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. I could eat it too, man. I can make one that big and I could even finish it off. Uh, you know, we're talking about communion and the Lord's Supper, and it's the Lord's table. Uh, it's His. We're invited to it, and so we'll be visiting about that. And so when you talk about why do you take communion, why Trent went around and uh, did, a little, did a little scientific research about our own church about why they take communion. Let's show that video, guys. I'm asking men and women why they take communion in an unsuspecting, surprising way. Ken Dorsey, why do you take communion? Because it gives me uh, something to help me remember each week. I get to remember the uh, death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. You're the guy, Ken. Thank you, sir. That's a good question, Trent. Oh, uh, to remember the Lord's death. Yep. John? Well, that's, that, that pretty well does it, the love of Christ. Being obedient to the last uh, remembrance of Jesus. What is communion? Tyler. What's communion? We're going into the sanctuary to ask our people why they take communion. Is this a bad time? We're here at White's Ferry Road Church of Christ, and we're asking men and women why they take communion. David Caldwell. <laughs> Well, I take it mainly because it's an opportunity to remember what my Lord and Savior did for me and plus a sharing time with my brothers. Wow, thanks so much, Jeremy. We're here at White's Ferry Road and we're asking men and women why they take communion. Beverly Dobbs, why do you take communion? I take communion because the Lord died for me and I don't ever want to have that not be at the front of my memory. Kabam, thank you. A reminder of the... Uh of what we celebrate, um, the, the death and the resurrection of, of our Lord. I take it, like he said, as a reminder, but also because Jesus said to do it until he comes back and we all share with him together. Dallas Jennings, welcome to White's Ferry Road Church of Christ. Why do you take communion? Why do I take communion? In remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for me and told me to do in the Bible. You don't have any communion in that sippy cup, do you? No, I got some orange drink. Mm-hmm. We're here at White's Ferry Road, Church of Christ. We're asking men and women why they take communion. Ma'am, oh, I mean, sir. <laughs> sir, why do you take communion? Because my wife told me to. Proves my point. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, asking Jason, LSU Tigers. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's incorrect. Why is, it, why is the LSU secondary best in the SEC? Well, they're not, obviously, because... Uh, why is the Tigers coaching staff the best coaching staff in the history of NCAA Division I college football? Because Les Miles eats grass. That's unresolved anger right there, Alabama. Oh, why, oh no. Jason, Alabama, why do you take communion? Because... Because his pastor tells him to. And that's he does, it. And he does what I say. It. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here at White's Ferry Road Church of Christ. Oh, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tara Troll. Tara, real quickly, why do you take communion? Why do I take communion? To remember Christ and what he did for me. On the spur of the moment, that was a pretty good answer, Tara. Thanks. Hunter Jennings, why do you take communion, buddy? Boom. <laughs> that was good, man. 
Well, why do you take communion? You know, uh, hopefully we're going to learn some things this next series about uh, why we do communion and uh, hopefully even get, get some of the theology behind it. I think well, it's not that what we do is wrong as much as what we do, I think, sometimes is very shallow. And we want to deepen our understanding of what it means to be around the Lord's table. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 17. The Bible says this, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The word in the Greek here for participation in is koinonia. And this is the same word from which we derive our word communion. It means to exist in relationship with one another. When God creates man, he does so in community. When God creates the nation of Israel, he does so in community, Abraham and Sarah. When God creates the church, he does so in community through Jesus and his disciples and the apostles. This is communities together working amongst themselves and with God to go about accomplishing his purposes. And often when we sit at the Lord's table and the Lord is our host, we, we remove from our awareness the idea that we're participating in the Lord's Supper with others. Often we're looking back at the altar of sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ or we're thinking about just ourselves and the Father God. And this is not the way the New Testament church and Jesus' teaching about communion emphasized us to have communion. There's a distinction between altar and table that's very important as we think of sitting at the Lord's table. I was really raised in uh, uh, going to church and being part of communion. I don't know if your particular background is where you took communion very often or not. Ours, which I really appreciate, is that we do it every time we meet on the first day of the week. And, and I think there's something very, very good about that. But I was also raised, I think, where it was a very much a just me and God thing. And that's how I thought of communion. And matter of fact, uh, communion was to be silent, it was to be serious. Uh, it was an altar feeling. You know, at the altar, uh, it was silence, uh, individual sorrow, remorse, uh, introspective, penance, those kinds of things. And yet, uh, uh, yet, after the sacrifice was made, then people celebrated the fact that they'd been rescued by the altar. That's what we do at the table, you see. But well, I, 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 dis I distinctly remember... Uh, uh, being raised where it was kind of a uh, just me and God type idea. Matter of fact, the very first time we ever took communion, I ever took communion, and they sang during communion, I thought, that can't be right. That's got to be wrong. You're singing during communion? You can't do two acts of worship at one time, you know? And then I realized, wait a minute, communion, you ought to be singing to one another. You ought to be encouraging one It's an interactive thing. We have something in common when we gather around the table. It's something very special for our family. Why is this so important? Why is it vital to understand the function of the Lord's Supper? It's so important because the Supper is a gospel event and experience. We literally are clothed in Christ through baptism as a result of His sacrifice on the cross. And it is a result of His sacrifice and our being immersed into Christ that allows us the opportunity to have fellowship and a relationship with God the Father. And not only just God the Father and us, but us and other people. And so as we approach this time of the Lord's Supper, we have to almost 
remove some of our tendency to think just us and God and invite participation and relationships with others to be a part of that. As we come to the table of thanksgiving, it's almost important to think of it in terms of what God has done in our lives. When I think of, of, of the Lord's Supper, I think that it's really an emphasis on the rescue that God has acted in my life. As I was talking with Mike about this time of year, it is my favorite time of year. There are two reasons. First, loaves of bread like this abound, and I'm the kind of guy who really knows what to do with a loaf of bread about that size, really just by myself. Isn't that right? That is true. And if I've bought his lunch a few times, I can tell you, uh, uh, this table is not big enough for him. That's right. That's right. So I love the idea of families getting together. We, we live away from family. It's about 10 hours for us to get to our closest relatives. And so time, the time of year of Thanksgiving is a time where we can sit at the table with family we haven't had the opportunity to see and talk about the year and things we've done and, and memories we've shared together. But the second reason is the day that, that God delivered me from drugs and alcohol is December 2nd. And so when the seasons start to change and the leaves start to turn colors, the Holy Spirit reminds me of that desperate place that God rescued me from. And as I come to the table and I sit and, and I'm hosted by God the Father, and I'm reminded of the altar of sacrifice that is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary, I'm humbled and thankful at what God has done for me in my life. You know, that rescue is so, so very important for us to remember. It's a, but it's remembered as a thanksgiving. Those uh, Israelites, as they gathered around the Passover table, think about what they were remembering and the stories they were telling. They were telling how God rescued them, just like Trent tells his story. They were telling how God brought them through the Red Sea and how he fed them and took care of them. And so uh, telling about the blood on the doorpost and how that they've been, they've been freed from their bondage of slavery. And that's what's happened with all of us. Because of the gospel, we've been set free. Because of the blood, our sins are taken care of. And so when we gather around the table, we remember that and we celebrate it. And we do so with thanksgiving because it is a part of the gospel. It is a part of the good news that, uh, that we remember how God, what God's done for us. But it's also a Thanksgiving table of relationships about what God is, has ongoing right now. We have a relationship. Jesus is present at the table with us. We have a relationship with him, but we have a relationship with everybody else in the body too. Everybody who's ever obeyed the gospel, we're brothers and sisters with. It's a family. I love what Bill said. It's a forever family, and those relationships are very, very important. I, I remember one time, uh, even at this, at this particular congregation, years and years ago, one of the brothers was taking communion, and he had a visitor beside him. And he's telling the visitor what communion's about. And one of the good sisters sitting behind him jumped all over him for talking during communion. And I thought, I understand. She thinks it from an altar viewpoint. She doesn't see it from a table viewpoint. The table is interactive. It is talking. It is me telling my story. It is us saying we've been rescued. That's really what communion and the Lord's Supper is all about. It's about relationships. And relationships are very, very important. Recently, I've had the importance of relationships emphasized to me my family of five just moved from a house in the Garden District to a house off Fink's Hideaway. And I could not have moved 
all of the material in my house by myself. And I know what you're thinking when I say that. You're like, Trent, there is no couch on planet Earth that is too heavy for you to move by yourself. That's what I thought, so I'll just let him do it by himself. No, I actually showed up for a little while. Despite Mike's help, <laughs> we still needed other resources to come in and, and facilitate our moving from one place to another. And so we did. We relied on good friends from our forever family to make that possible. And that's just one story of many that I could tell about how my friends and my forever family have helped me get to where I'm at today. Yes, it's the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the same spirit that resurrected him from the dead that lives within me that empowers me to walk and live like Jesus. But it's the people I live in community with that love me and that I love that help keep me pointed in the right direction. And this is the function of the Lord's Supper. Man, we were designed to be in relationships, in community with one another. And as we participate in the table hosted by our Lord, we have to get caught up in that atmosphere of togetherness and connectedness and belonging. That's the function of a celebration around the Lord's Supper. It's a table of rescue. God has rescued us from a life that was miserable and sin-sick. It's a table of relationships. Our relationship with Christ and our nourishment through Him and our relationship and encouragement through others, it's also a table of resurrection, which is what God will do. You know, resurrection, it means it's a, that's new life, isn't it? When you, came, uh, uh, when you came up from the baptistry, new life. New birth, it's called. Being born again of the water and the spirit. New life. And so when we look forward to the resurrection one day, because uh, uh, like the old song says, this world is not my home. This isn't it. A lot of times we act like it's our home. It really isn't. We're just passing through. And, uh, uh, and it's going pretty quick, right? And so, well, we understand, though, but we're here celebrating at the table and proclaiming the gospel until he comes again. So this story that's represented at the table not only rescued me and gives me relationships with you. And by, by the way, kind of the form and how we do church sometimes is a disadvantage to us. We take communion looking at the back of somebody's head, you know? Uh, it really wasn't designed like that. Really designed to be toward one another. And it's hard enough to get connected, but sometimes we lose that connection, and we don't need that in the church. We need to be connected to one another. There'll be a time in your life, you'll be at the hospital, you'll be at the funeral home, you'll be somewhere, and you need the body of Christ. I've needed the body of Christ. And boy, what a great blessing it is when you know that your forever family will surround you and help you through something. But we do it looking for the future. It's a table of hope. And hope's a neat word. And hope's what you have in your heart that you can take out. And when we walk through those doors, we take this message at the table. It's a missionary message. We take it out to the world and say, you can have the same hope that we have. And so it refreshes us every week and nourishes us to go out and be about the kingdom business. It's a table of resurrection, and that's what we look forward to. You know, I can remember in my childhood, one of the most consistent things that my family has done since the time I was born is we've had a family reunion in Branson, Missouri. And on my mom's side of the family, her whole family is from uh, an area of Branson that surrounds a small town called Tightwad, Missouri. This actually exists. <laughs> The town is famous for a bank. It's the Tightwad Bank. 
And so you can be an account holder at the Tightwad Bank in Tightwad, Missouri, and you can actually then be a Tightwad. So we would go to Branson, and we would get together, and they're, they're, my, my mom's side of the family has roots in bluegrass music, and so I can remember as a kid sitting around and listening to, play, listening to them play bluegrass and sing, and us just eating. There's somehow always food involved when my family gets together, and those times for me, no matter what struggle or storm I was going through, were times of peace and calm and joy. And as the, as the time of fellowship was coming to an end, and the sun would set probably on the last evening we were there, and they'd play music, and we'd eat, and we'd fellowship, there was an atmosphere of us all looking already forward to the next time we were going to get together. And so for me in my life, when I, would, when I would go through storms or trials, I'd often be looking to the month of June, which was the month of our family reunion, because I knew that there was coming a time where, where peace and joy and a sense of belonging was going to occur. And so that absolutely helped me through some of those struggles that I faced. And I think that's absolutely one of the functions of the Lord's Supper. It's like we commune with our Lord Jesus Christ. He's present at the table with us, and we love the people that are there with us at the table because we understand that there is coming a day when God will wipe every single tear away from our eyes. And every single pain we've ever felt or disaster we've faced or storm we've ever walked through will fade from memory as we confront the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so as we're at the table, we need to be reminded that it is God who is hosting us and that there is hope and there is coming a day where there is victory. And so as we take advantage of, of participating in the Lord's Supper, let us definitely not forget the hope that exists as we're reminded of all God has done for us. We want to ask the, the men to go ahead and uh, go back to serve and bring the bread down. Uh, and as they do that, just a reminder, you know, when Jesus took the bread and broke it, it said he gave thanks. What do you think he was thanking God for? I mean, uh, I, I kind of wish I had that prayer. I wish I had heard those words, you know, that Jesus said. Of course, you know, I'm afraid what we would have done, we would have taken those words and made it a legalistic formula. You had to say at communion or something, you know, how we are. But, uh, uh, but he broke bread and he blessed it and he gave thanks. And so uh, as these guys are serving this uh, uh, bread, come on, guys, come on down. Uh, as they're serving uh, uh, this today, remember the body of Christ, not just what was offered for you on the cross, but that because of that offering, whoever's sitting beside you, well, they're part of the body of Christ too, okay? I'm going to ask Trent to lead us in a, in a prayer for the body. Lord, we come before you just so thankful and grateful for our Lord Jesus Christ. And by his sacrifice, we can have fellowship with you. And we come joyfully now to your table where we can actually break bread with you in remembrance of our Savior and in community with those that we love so much. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. While you're taking of the bread, I want to read to you a section of Isaiah 53 that just reminds me of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Isaiah 53 verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, 
a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain, and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm reminded as we take the bread that what Paul said in Corinthians that every person in the body is important. Every gift that we have is important to be used for the kingdom. There's no one that we can say, you know, we would be better off without them. No. No, we're better off with everyone in the body becoming like Jesus wants us to be. Every person is valuable. You know how you can tell the value of somebody? The price paid. And the price paid for me and you? Jesus Christ, God's own son. So that makes being in the body a pretty special thing. We're part of a neat forever family. Also, we always take the fruit of the, fruit of the vine. And uh, guys, just whenever you get back, go ahead and come on down and start serving that. Uh, they would, in the Old Testament, they would cut an animal in half to make a covenant. And you would walk between them in that, to seal that covenant. <clears throat> the matter of fact, they called it cut a covenant. And then after the covenant was made... <clears throat> Then you would celebrate around a table and take the sacrifice and, and grill it up and eat it and celebrate the fact that you have a new covenant or you have a new relationship. And we have a new covenant, uh, and it's with Christ, and it's because of Christ, and it's to Christ's uh, honor and glory that we celebrate it. Uh, I think sometimes when we think about uh, uh, forgiveness of sins, it's easy not to think about uh, the blood. Bring me one of those if you don't mind there, Wendell. You know, we take the fruit of the vine, and uh, as you get as you get the fruit of the vine, just take a moment and look at it as as you're taking it. I don't think in the New Testament they were probably taking them in this size cups. You know. Uh, and some of y'all, by the way, you need to drink the whole thing because when I get your tray, I don't know if there's any left in there or not and should I drink after you, And right, you know? We run into all those little practical problems. Uh, I remember one time when I was younger, we were playing with the communion during communion time, which we shouldn't have been doing as kids, and we took, we took the little cups and we gave them a little cheer deal. You know, we did a little toast, but there was a lady behind me with her finger and she let me know that's improper during the Lord's Supper so I appreciate that the amount given to us you know what while it was probably more of a cup like this or a or something that people were drinking and using during a meal when Jesus shed his blood even if it was this small amount 
wouldn't have mattered. His blood is more than enough to take care of any sin I have or you have or that the world ever had or will have. That's how large the shedding of the blood is. That's how big it is. And so this is a meal and this is a Thanksgiving uh, meal celebrating that because it's a meal of grace. We're here by blood, his blood, and that's a grace experience. Remember the grace experience and be thankful as you take the fruit of the vine. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for the love, Lord. Thank you for the And your cleansing flow Now all I know Your forgiveness and embrace Worthy is the Lamb Seated on the throne Crown you now with many crowns
just thank you so much for the opportunity to worship with you. And we're so humbled that you would want to commune with us. And we're so humbled by the sacrifice of your son on the cross. And there's no way thank you is even adequate anywhere close. But we thank you so much and we praise you and you are so worthy. God, I just ask as we're going to conclude here that, that those who have not clothed themselves in Christ would take the opportunity to do that so that they can participate at your table. God, I pray your blessings over everyone here and that you minister to every need in this building today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've not obeyed the gospel, we give you that invitation to be baptized into Christ, to uh, be a part of this church family, to, to be able to celebrate at the table. If you've gotten away from serving the Lord, come on back. Get in on the forever family. We love you. We want to help you. If you have a need today, please come while together we stand and sing.